fun and games. We got everything you want, honey. We know the name. How do you, man? I'll do me. Well, uh, the intro will be laid upon this track, but uh, we are recording. Does it say recording on your side for legal purposes? On the it screen? does. It does. Wow. Now we I know the these disclaimer. things. That is the disclaimer. Well, uh, welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise, the quarantine editions, as we are continuing to pump out episodes whenever my uh, schedule and, and interest levels and depression will allow me to do. Uh, we are back this week with a very special episode. Uh, I, I didn't think this would ever happen on the other side of the line right here. Walt Disney himself, everybody. Walt, say something for the crowd. <laughs> Here you leave yesterday, today, and reality, and pretend I sound like Walt Disney. Yes. Uh, no, everyone on this, this is a fun episode for me because uh, in, in the time that I had been at the Jungle Cruise, both in the uh, 2000s and in my recent incarnation, there have been very few people who I have felt had the kinship for the ride uh, as our guest today, uh, my friend Skipper Joey. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Skipper Joey is uh, an amazing skip and a good friend and someone who I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while. Uh, Joey hosts an amazing podcast uh, that uh, Laugh It Up Fuzzball, that I, I believe I got that right after a minute of remembering what it was. Uh, but Laugh It <laughs> Up Fuzzball is a, uh, well, why don't you tell everyone about it so I'm not the only one talking. So yeah, Laugh It Up Fuzzball, it's uh, where I talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. It's over four years of content coming out every week, ranging from uh, me covering news to uh, inclusivity and diversity in comics to defending bad comic book movies to reviewing like the big shows that come out. And yeah, me just having fun literally my weekly excuse to be like oh yeah sweetheart that the, the reason i watch all and read all this stuff is i have to do my podcast it's for the listeners <laughs> well and you get to hang out with some of your friends and some of your friends yes. my friends so it's a, a good opportunity but no it's uh in in the time that you've been putting it out it definitely has improved and been uh fun to listen to you know the directions you've taken it so i've enjoyed that and i thought well gosh i should have you on this thing i do because, uh, like I said, for the, the kinship of the time of the Jungle Cruise, you have a love for the attraction. And uh, I thought it'd be fun just to sit and chat and goof off a little bit and talk about what we think about life, the universe, and all things jungle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm always, I'm, well, inevitably, if me and you are talking, we're either talking about the Jungle Cruise or talking about the same geeky stuff that is on my podcast. Like, our friendship is unrecorded episodes of yeah. good podcasts. <laughs> and that's that's kind of I think the thing that we've thought many times over the the the, the length of time I've known you three years or so is uh, why don't we have a microphone running while we are bantering because yes. a lot of those banters should have been recorded for posterity. Yeah, although there's there's nothing better than a great podcast episode that's only yours. You oh, know, it's know. your memory, and also sometimes for posterity, it's a good thing that our our witty banter. Yes, distance. yes. There's been a few of those banters that probably should not be recorded. So yeah. Well, let's let's do the obligatory thing, which is you know you know my my routine, my same kind of five questions. Uh, well, tell me about your uh, what brought you to the mouse and when when you uh, kind of uh, joined the ranks of the the mouse army. So it's well, yeah. I'm like it's not going to be a short story. Uh, let me see if I can summarize it. So five year old Joe the Wookie goes on jungle cruise for the first time like it wasn't i'm from southern california but 
not rich enough to go often, but definitely went like five, six, seven times, like before I got a pass when I was a teenager. But I went on the ride and apparently afterwards, after laughing, I turned to my mom and said, I'm going to do this someday. And my mom was just like, ha, 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 great, great aspirations. Hold those, hold those goals high. But she was like, oh, she just nodded. And, you know, fast forward, every time I go to Disney, I have to go to Jungle Cruise. And when I get a pass as a teenager, I was there when it was like the punk rock kids took over Disney and like security and they tried to close Tomorrowland to get rid of us. And we were just a nuisance. But every time we went, we had to go on the Jungle Cruise because you just never knew what the skipper was going to say. And I also think because that was the late 90s, that was an era when the skippers were saying more. <laughs> like, as I understand it, they may have been a little bit more Wild West. But uh, when I got a job with Disney at 16, no, 17, I said, I want to be a Jungle Cruise skipper. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I have a spiel that I know by heart. And the lady's like, yeah, sure you do. So I started saying it. And at the end, she's like, yes, you need to be a Jungle Cruise skipper. Oh, wait you're 17 and you have to be 18 to be a ride operator. So they gave me that military thing like, oh yeah, you can be an ODV for, you know, until you turn 18 and then it's real easy to switch over to the, to the jungle cruise side. And I was like, yeah, it's not that easy. Like, I think it is easier now, but back then it just, that just wasn't how it worked. It was like wait, the mafia. Wait, is that kind of like the, no, it's okay, Kyle, you'll spend a couple of months over at Indiana Jones and then we'll train you at the jungle cruise again. <laughs> <laughs> sort of I suppose similar things but so I worked two years outdoor vending selling popcorn pretzel churros like working my way there and then uh vis-a-vis -vis life and a well let's see I uh I was in the military for 14 years and when I got out of the military my oldest was 14 if you put two and two together so during the military went off saw the world uh pissed excellence and tasted freedom and then got out and was like I want to be a jungle cruise skipper like that's what I do. And I literally told my military friends, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get a job at the Jungle Cruise. I'm going to get old and tell jokes for the rest of my life. And I'm going to live forever. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. Needless to say, a lot of them have come and visited me at the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> but like, hot dog, you actually did it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't kidding. This has actually been like a five-year-old life goal. But uh, I applied right when I got the military. That's a long story. My drug test email went to my spam folder. I didn't know what a spam folder was, so I didn't get the job, which is the same as like smoking crack, I guess. And I, I guess I got the raw deal because all I did was not get my spam versus doing the drugs. But waited a year and a half and then reapplied. And long story short, I got a job at the Jungle Cruise and got to do it for over five years. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, do you, I'm sure you recall because I'm sure you remember almost every moment there, but who was your trainer? My trainer was the inimitable and amazing Skipper Arvin. Uh, uh, just one of, one of the best of his generation of skippers, bar none. Also the man who married me and my wife. <laughs> well, I, so. I, I didn't know you lived in Utah. <laughs> what? Well, he married you and your wife. Isn't that only legal in Utah? I don't. Uh, see, another joke that went right over my head. <laughs> Oh, I get it. I get it. English. It was it was wordplay. Yes, it was that that wordplay thing. So, no, Arvin is uh, Arvin's a top notch. He's he's always been one of my favorites. So, yeah, it's somebody who started off as a trainer and is now brother friend. Yeah, and like like I said, the person who I wanted a witty ceremony because he's so hilarious and I was like, hey, will you like get a certificate at the Church of Life and marry me and Heather? And it happened, <laughs> and you were well, there. I, I know what it's like when uh, when your trainer becomes your friend. It's a very good thing. 
that would never happen in a million no. years. It's an isolated incident. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what did it, what was your uh, reaction coming back and like, what did it feel like as you're going through that process? And, you know, if you have been 20 years of, of having this be something in the back of your head, what, what was the emotional? I mean, honestly, the, the, the piranhas happened while I was in the military. I distinctly remember coming home on leave and going on and be like, oh, what happened to the to the San Dimas, the, the wild rapids of, of Kilimanjaro? And then uh, that's back when the piranhas worked real well. So that was neat. Um, and that's really like the only change. I think what I was surprised by most is as a guest, I thought that the skippers were allowed to say whatever they wanted to, because in my experience, a lot of skippers said whatever they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, they hand you that script of many, many jokes, what, 433 options, something crazy like that. And you're like, oh, this is, this is a lot more scripted. And then, and then this, it's a, somewhere in between, I suppose, mm -hmm. you know, OG is not okay. That's a, like an official leadership line, but yeah. We, we both know sometimes you speak extemporaneously or yeah, you get well, stuck in the boat for 15 minutes on the Nile. And while people are getting sunstroke, you're just doing your best to, to say PC things and, and keep them from, you know, realizing they outnumber you. So something I hadn't ever actually thought about before you bring it up, bringing the timing of the piranhas into this is since I was a skipper from like 05 to 08, it's entirely possible you rode my boat at some point. It is, it is very possible. Yeah. I'd like if I'm thinking a memorable, I, I kid you not, and I know I've told you this, but me and my mom went on the Jungle Cruise boat where the skipper must have been getting fired or leaving and where he shot every single animal in the jungle, <laughs> like starting from, didn't happen in the elephant pool as I remember, but like but literally after Schweitzer from the bull elephants, he didn't shoot any of the locals and then he shot at the water buffalo. That was like right there towards the end. And oh, like God. this like four or five times he shot an animal. And we were just in the boat like frozen in fear. Cause we just were not convinced there wasn't a point where he was gonna turn and shoot the human animals that were in the boat yeah. with him. Well, and, and you and I both know the the very big audio difference between uh a gun going off in the hippo pool and a gun going off at, you know, Trader Sam. <laughs> Right. I mean, it is so, it is a huge acoustic difference. So. Well, knowing the SOP, like where he shot makes sense because it's further back and it's sort of muffled. But that one by the water buffalo, because it was he was telling us about like, you know, oh, this is a real interesting geographical coincidence. He's like, that's a water buffalo from Africa. He's like, but that is an anaconda from South America. He's like, through the magic of somebody not knowing their freaking job and how the map works, they brought him together here and he pulled out his gun and he shot the water buffalo. He's like, took care of that. He, he went he went all Michael Douglas and Postal? <laughs> it was just, it was frightening. It, like, we got off the boat and everybody just sort of shuffled off. And my mom, like, just sort of like, I was like 10 or 11. And we just, like, left. And my mom's the first person to care enough and complain. So, but she just, like, we, we went off and did the rest of our Disney day. And I'm sure, I'm sure there was stuff that happened on the dock afterwards, but. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's know, pretty, that's pretty far into the, uh, uh, you know, wrist slapped level of uh, discipline. That's, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah. I like, I, I didn't turn, I don't remember much more than getting off the boat mortified, but I could imagine a skipper just like putting the, the revolver in the holster, hanging his hat and like walking off. Well, just be like, and, you know, you and I know the gun safety and we know all the things that happen with that. So when I hear stories from the 70s of 
you know, four guys jumping out of the, from behind the rhino with guns shooting at the boat. Uh, yeah. And the, you know, the things that we have heard happen, I'm just like, dude, that, that couldn't even be like 1% true today. Right. Uh, it would be, you know, a different level of people getting fired and FBI getting called and, you know, u- ugliness, if that ever were the, were the case. So, right. Uh, so early on, what are your other, your other memories, people you trained with, you know, what, what was the uh, experience like for you? Oh, there's, there's so much, like, of course I, I started like you, I started at Indy and, and chomped at the bit for four months to go to jungle. Uh, I also know, well, I knew thunder at one point, um, and then, uh, trains. And I think that's it. <laughs> I know the Tiki Road too, but we know how that's a joke. <laughs> and I also know Tarzan's treehouse. Yeah. Well, totally signed off. I can run a checklist and everything, but, uh, there's just so many people like the leads when I was new, that was the, you know, the era of Jason and Mike and Arvin and like K-Small. the big, huh? K-Small. K-Small had, uh, had proceeded off to the world of GSO mm-hmm. by the time I was actually on the dock, like literally Skipper Eddie and me like started on the dock, like days apart from each other. Well, I, so, I, I will say it is, it is possibly the only disappointment that I had in my return trip uh, to Disney is that Kelly Small never got to ride my boat when I had come back. The entire two years I was back, or I guess a year at the jungle, whatever it was, but Kelly was never able to make it over to ride my boat. And Kelly is a, a treasure and one of my favorite people. She calls me Sweet Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just runs from GSO and and they kept saying like carol needed to be there but it was me because i took her ship mm-hmm. so she's like carol sweet carol and i'm just like uh, joey here <laughs> let's do the parade thing but then she's called me sweet carol ever since so yeah i uh there was the the 50th anniversary 50th 60th anniversary thing where they did that at d23 and uh where she came out and, uh, it was part of the panel that was talking about all the plants in the jungle and her immaculate detail with every single plant and bush that's ever been planted out there is just insanely good. See, I don't like, I've been on both Jason and K Small's uh, botany cruise, and both of them just so incredibly lovely. And where, you know, they, they each know like a, a large amount of information, but they have their like special stuff. So, like, when I drive the Vela, especially on a deadhead, I'm always looking for the dragon blood tree, and that's a K Small thing, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, the, the sheer joy of jungle, I think is inherent in, in being one of the memorable people that are there. Like lots of skippers come through. I know we're like a small subgenre of people. There's only a, a select few that get the chance to navigate the waters of Florida or Anaheim or uh, Tokyo. But yeah, like I think there's that group and then there there's the others. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes us lunatics or and I don't think I'm that special. I think when my time is over and done, like there'll be some people that remember me, but I'm not going to be immortalized in the cruise. I'm just another face and another choking voice. However, you know, like it's since I was five, it's been something that I love. Well, you I, know, it's, but, but it's, it's one of those things. My, my dad uh, came through the boy scout professional system. He was a district executive and his, his thing, he had a coffee cup that, uh, on his desk and said in a hundred years, it won't matter what kind of car I had or how big my bank account was or what type of a house I lived in. What'll matter is I made a difference in the life of a child. And I look at that from the jungle side, it's like, you know, it may not matter what we did. It may not be that, but if we made one kid laugh 
if we trained one other skipper, whatever it was, you know, all those little moments definitely add up really fast. Yeah. Whoever that skipper was when I was five, like 100%, like they led to, you know, 30 years down the road, me becoming a skipper as well. Yep. And like, it, it's direct there. And I, I, there's so many people you train that are just like, you know, this is my favorite. It's been my favorite since I was little, yep. you know, or something I always wanted to do. And then of course there's a guy like, I wanted to work racers, but they <laughs> <laughs> they gave me jungle, and you're like, okay, we'll figure this out. <laughs> uh, it's funny the new the new things people attach to. By the way, I just came up with the uh, the perfect uh, episode tag for this is the butterfly effect. Uh, okay. Because you know it's like you know you travel back in time, you step on one butterfly. You know, yeah. Whole, and, like how it is with jungle, you know, one skipper grew- makes one thing. And then I grew up to 12 inches, which is almost a whole foot. Yeah. And uh, and then you were I, the ruler of the jungle. I really was. I am the ruler of the jungle. <laughs> the yardstick by which all others are measured. Yes. Or, or the, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't do metric jokes. Yeah. If you want to like do the metric system, you really should talk to a drug dealer. <laughs> like, am I wrong? No. It's, is, that, is that kind of an identifier for parents? Hey, parents, if your kids know the metric system too well, check under their mattress. <laughs> like, literally, like, yeah, if they're messing around with grams and milligrams and liters, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're a drug dealer, but, but I'm not saying they're not. <laughs> look, really, if they know kilos, they're doing well with their life. Yes, yes. Yeah, if they're That's just the talking. important thing. Yeah. From grams to kilos is a jump, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, just jungle is life. And I know, I know. Obviously, the man who has the podcast about about the Jungle Cruise or the cruise, cruise, the uh, the legally uh, defensible cruise, C R E W S. So yeah, uh, so yeah. I mean, early on, was there? Uh, I mean, when you're going through training and all that, was did you have something that you uh, latched onto for a show scene or a joke that you kind of feel like was your your thing that that uh, that you enjoyed more? Um. I mean, it's not my thing. I'm definitely not the first person. And I, I've listened to every episode of your podcast and other skippers talking. And I agree. Like, when, whenever you think you're the most original person in the world, like, eh, there, there's a chance that the skipper a decade before you and then a decade before that, like, probably came up with it. But, you know, you've been on my boat. My thing is Bobo. And if you don't know who Bobo is, dear listener, it is the elephant you think of as the mother-in-law elephant. Although I will submit that both of those elephants were cast from male African bull elephants, so both of them are males, and don't you misgender Bobo? Like, were, were they were they uh, excellent castings? Because I'm curious about your castration, cast rating. Cast, well, cast I mean, rating. that was the joke I was trying to make was cast rating. Everything at Disneyland is cast, and some things are cast well, and others aren't. Yeah. <laughs> 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 which makes them officially cast members but anyway so bobo and and there's the timing on the on the audio and i i love to have like you know there's a normal like speak louder or in spanish but literally i have evolved to i have conversations with the dab gum elephant like in the middle of my spiel we're like oh wait hold on and like he talks to me and then i talk back and then he talks to me and i talk back and like oh sorry about that and like press on with the cruise as if like and just the, the shock on their face like wait what the what like what, what just happened and like I'll, i've even like been like oh i'm sorry that was rude do you guys want to know what he said and they're like yeah and then you make an elephant noise <laughs> and then you just turn back around and 
right back on the cruise. Skipper Joey, I dub thee the elephant whisperer. It's I I love Bobo so much. Yeah. Like someday when I get my Jungle Cruise tattoo, like Bobo will be a part of it. Well, it that's just... kind of like that's kind of like me and the hippo pool because the the hippo that comes out of the the left, the kind of one that's on their own is Gladys. Okay. And I had heard from a skipper back in the seventies that that was what they called mm-hmm. called her. So I spent my entire time at Jungle this last time trying to get that name to stick. And every single trip around, I identified her as Gladys. I'm sure no one now is doing it, but that was like my yeah. thing. That's everyone must know this elephant is named Gladys. Yeah. I, and Bobo is just such a dumb name. Like it's yeah. definitely a name for like a chimp or whatever. But yeah, I just, that's the thing. It's either Bobo or Bosco. Like I like to, every once in a while, I'd have a cruise where I'm like, oh, that tiger, his name's Bosco. <laughs> and they go around and then the next animal, his name is Bosco. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's better than the same bamboo six or seven times. Shout out to christian but <laughs> yeah well running running jokes are uh the one that when i was there in like oh three there was a whole taste like chicken thing that okay. just got like the third time it was good when it got to like fourth rotation on it it was just dumb yeah because you know there is that rule of comedy that three is good and four is overkill um yeah it's the rule of three yep or i mean you really have to if you're gonna go over the rule of three then you need to commit to it and you have to be so wholeheartedly committed to it that that makes it better. Like if you if you're genuine and earnest, you can get away with it. But uh, that's 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 hard. It's really well, hard. And it's tough because you've got the rule of three, which is comedy. The rule of two, which is that you know there's always a master and an apprentice. Uh, is there a rule of one or rule of four we can throw in? I don't know. One is the loneliest number. It is. That is. That is the rule. Yeah. Yeah, or it's that, that game in Spanish that's pretty fun. Uh, so then eventually, uh, I'm pretty sure that at some point you became a trainer. Uh, uh, mainly from a, first-hand experience. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a chance. I think it took me a year and a half, two years, something like that, to become a trainer. And then another year and a half or two to be a lead. Which is also strange because you and I actually worked indie together first. Uh, and then, you know, then we, I got to train with you over at the Jungle Cruise. So I actually, I didn't know you well over at Indiana Jones, but. I'm so like, I, I actually remember you from before, like the training experience just being, oh, here's, and I even got some, it might've been Eddie, but somebody told me beforehand, like, oh, this is Kyle. This is his third time working at the Jungle Cruise. Like he knows a lot and he means really well. So take what he says with a grain of salt. And I was like. Oh, that's a that's a great introduction. Wow, but, that's a glowing. But... <laughs> and then I I, I talked to you. Who some... that was? And I hunt them down. Yeah, but then I met you and like you know you wanted to talk jungle because you were starving for it because you were at Indy and I was like yeah he, he definitely knows a lot about jungle. I was like cool, right on. I was like we'll see. And then I remember you like tracking me down and be like hey, so I heard your training group canceled, but uh, I've already talked to the managers about taking the spot and are you willing to like just make me your trainee and i'm like uh, uh, uh yeah sure okay cool <laughs> great and i'm glad to know that my my level of interest came off as uh what's the word i'm looking for stalker-ish uh <laughs> slightly psychotic perhaps uh something along well, those lines I, it was it really set the tone for the rest of our friendship i, I mean quite quite literally i was going home from my canceled training day i'd gone to er i'd talked to them 
And as I'm walking out, I think I'd even like seen Mickey. Like I was like out and you're like, Bod, more training. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, well, it's an extra dollar 75. So sure. Like training, training, any day training in the jungle is better than like going around with people I, maxing on you. Like I, I'm glad I was an extra 20 bucks a day for you. That, that Well, and also you, since you knew it, I was like, oh, this shouldn't be hard. And you have a passion <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of like, I'm like, you want to come back. So I don't have to convince you to like love the jungle. Cause that's what I try to do. If you don't love the jungle by the time I've trained you, you should love it a little bit. And then like, I just had to like break your bad habits. And I knew we got along from the couple conversations and the money's not bad. So yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards we became really good friends. So, so besides training me, which I'm sure was a high point in your time at the jungle cruise, uh, you know, do you have any other, uh, you know, we, we always do the celebrity memories or people you got to meet or moments that, uh, you know, that really stuck out to you from your time there. So celebrity is, is really easy. I've, I've, I haven't gotten to do like boats of like celebrities being on my boat. Uh, but I have, you know, by being a trainer and trainer on the dock to add at, or, you know, lead the jungle crew saved wonder woman. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the lead. I'm sitting in the shipping office or not sitting, you know, cause I got rid of our chairs. But doing my thing and all of a sudden, like, a security guard is over and like, hey, we need to hide Gal Gadot. She's being stalked. And I'm like, okay, okay. like, that, that sounds to be easy. So they're like, okay, so they shuttle, like, Gal Gadot and, like, kids and, like, whoever is with her to the exit. So they're just, like, sitting where, like, the wheelchairs are normally because they, they have a, a couple guys that are creepy as hell, like, following her around. And they just need to, like, figure it out, keep her safe. But as they're there, I'm just like, hey, would you guys like to go on a cruise? Like, it's seven and a half minutes. It'll allow, like, your security and Disney security to, like, figure out what's happening in Adventureland. And then hopefully by the time you come back, it's better. Or we can just send you on another cruise. And they're like, yeah, okay. So, you know, boat comes around. You say deadhead. You know, the male skipper. I'm like, hey, Gal Gadot getting on your boat. And he's like, oh, damn, I don't want to do that. Why are you so mean? You know? And they, they get on and they do the cruise and they figure it out. They get rid of Mr. Creeper because, you know, they're the best part of Disneyland. And they come back and then ever so sweetly, Gal in her Israeli accent, you know, like, thank you so much. Have a leg stay. And I'm just like, you're purdy, <laughs> you know, in my head, of course. And, uh, and they leave. But then I like literally turned to whatever skipper was on the dock. It was like, we just saved Wonder Woman. Like, and they were like, what? And I'm like, we just saved Wonder Woman. And they just walked off and like, glowed in that in that moment for the rest of the shift were, were you able to put her onto a vehicle that wasn't invisible i guess i'm a little confused about how that would work well thankfully she all... hadn't figured out the thor magic yet to make it invisible okay. and I, I don't believe that she was uh like using like body snatching anybody's body at that moment i'm pretty sure it was all on the up and up so good yeah and oh, she was super sweet and yeah it was lovely yeah the entire situation was lovely in, in so many ways. Well, that's, you know, uh, it wasn't a thing this last time around because I think they finally kind of worked it out. But there was a, a while where there were paparazzi who would live in the park that were uh, APs, like the primo level APs, who would just go during the day with their cameras. And it was when TMZ really had started taking off. And they would just stalk any celebrity that was in Disneyland to try to get photos for, you know, TMZ, any other National Enquirer kind of things. And they finally were able to kind of say, nope, if you're doing it professionally, you're, uh, you're breaking the rules of your past, so you're out. Oh, nice. 
but yeah, they would, you could always tell cause they had the long Canon lenses, the big white lenses, and they were in there trying to get whatever money they could make off of the, uh, the Justin Bieber photo or whoever the celebrity of the moment was. Uh, the pa paparazzos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, th th it's just nice. Like I I've only been starstruck like once or twice at the jungle. Um, when uh john barenthal came through and he was the nicest guy it was just like right when punisher season two was going on and then when nathan fillion came through the cruise i was embarrassed embarrassedly starstruck mm -hmm. like i could i had to like walk away and go take a break because i did not trust myself to not like throw my chones at him like i was so so uh yeah it was it was pretty uh it just yeah it is what it was yeah i, I could yeah. see you getting choked up even today so yeah and it, like yeah john barenthal was like so like when he was leaving i was at the podium i wasn't the leader or anything and i was just like it was so nice to see you and in my head i'm like what why <laughs> did you say that and he was like you too man you too and he walked off and i was just like oh what a loser what a loser you are <laughs> well i mean without crossing too much into the content of your podcast uh, it's exciting that we're going to get to see him as the Punisher again. That's that uh, has it. It came out that he's going to be used in the next round of Marvel stuff. I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. Yeah, if he's he, he's going to be the Punisher again. So okay, yeah. I think like my favorite celebrity I ever saw though was Rosario Dawson at Thunder because mm -hmm. she came as a completely normal person, no plaid, no nothing. I was sitting at main dispatch and probably hating life even though i like thunder and looked up and she was sitting there wearing a chewbacca like one of those fuzzy chewbacca hats mm -hmm. and i just like like sort of looked and raised my eyebrows and smiled and she like thumbs up and nods at me and i'm just like okay and like then dispatch <laughs> you know she goes in and i'm waiting for you know train five to come back to Spurside, and like she pulls up and i look over and she looks at me and she waved and she left and i was just like man she's just as pretty in real life as she is on the telly. <laughs> you know, whenever you're working Thunder, all of a sudden you have to be like the deep sound. Like, man alive, hot diggity. Make me all cattywampus. Oh, <laughs> uh, I never, I never worked the Thunder, so I would never know, so. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't in so much that it kept me from the jungle. Yeah. For the two years I worked there, I think like I got like five jungle shifts something like that and i distinctly remember when we had jingle the second year uh one of the skippers maureen who went on to be a manager she like messaged me and was like so i guess you're not coming home for christmas and it broke my heart like so bad i was like no like i literally became a trainer faster because i thought it would get me back into the jungle yeah there were uh there were moments when kip would get pulled from jungle over to thunder and I could just see that little spark of happiness in his eyes kind of die a little bit as he got pulled over. Well, my my very first jungle shift after learning Thunder, I got pulled. And yeah. it happened more often than not where they just, like, the schedulers finally stopped scheduling you jungle because they're just like, yeah, there's no point. Yeah, well, seniority, it's just that, it's that window when you hit a certain range yeah. uh, that they're going to pull you over. Uh, and also, you know, so you get to learn steam trains, which is another one that I never got to do. Uh, I always, first of all, I always enjoyed when I saw you up there because you look good in that costume. <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. But, uh, you mean, was it a, a very different uh, kind of a feel for you? Because I know you're, 
you know, wherever you're at, you kind of get the personality of that ride. Uh, I, I don't know if that's fair for me. I think I'm always basically me. You know, like, I mean, like when I'm at Indy, I, I'm, I, try, I mumble a little bit, trying to do my best, like, you know, Harrison Well, I'm not saying you do characters, but I'm just saying yeah. you, you fit into the, the attraction where you're at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there are some skippers that go to trains and they stay skippers. Versus, yeah, I could, you know, I never yeah. saw that. When you were at Indy, I never got your skipper energy. Uh, well, that's because I was at Indy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you, uh, you, get, you get my skipper energy in the break room, but pushing, like, Thunder, I guess, because you were outdoor, out in the air or whatever, and you were working, at least when I was there, I was some of the best, like, cast members. So it was better. But, like, Steam Trains, yeah, that's that's definitely me. Like, Jungle Cruise skipper has has you beached his boat and somehow ended up on the holidays <laughs> yeah because uh the, the it happens all the time where people are like joey you are not on the jungle cruise and i'm like yeah the jungle cruise is on water duh like <laughs> but you know doing my spiels and telling jokes to people and the some trains cast members just i don't know they just don't like it but i don't care yeah, yeah. Uh, so coming over from a military background, was there anything that you brought from that to Disney that you feel was really helpful? Um, being on time is always a good thing. And, and working your shifts that you get scheduled, that also is quite helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it just depends. Like, I'm, I'm pretty, like, because I was in the military, I think as a civilian, I'm that much more fun-loving because I appreciate my freedom. You know, I, I really realized how it could be. Um, but, I mean, as a lead, there's parts of me that is, you know, the NCO in me comes back. And I'm very stern, dad-faced on the dock, you know. And, like, Blue, like, the classic one that we were telling our buddy Danny about it. But one of the skippers was like, I'm, I'm having a bad day. And I was like, really? You're having a bad day? I'm like, no, I think a bad day is when your hand's inside somebody to keep them alive. Just looked at them. And Blue was like... <laughs> Joey and I was like oh uh I hope you have a better day <laughs> like yeah like blue was like right there and unloaded was just like Joey and I was like oh oops sort of slipped in there uh out of context the blue is our our other jungle cruise skipper friend who we adore and yes yes um yeah. definitely before you move to to beautiful balmy and sunny Ohio yeah, definitely had like a little little socially responsible dole whip farewell at my uh, at my casa. Yep, it was uh, it's a sad thing. Although I do have to say, we we were down for uh, for your wedding in October. Yeah, uh, I think I went to Hula Girls to get dole whip. I think three times. <laughs> uh, for anyone who's listening, I'm gonna, I'm going to plug them because they're friends of the podcast. But if you're around Huntington Beach, there's a place called Hula Girls that has multiple flavors of Dole Whip and amazing Dole Whip Sundays, and uh, everyone in California should go frequent their business and keep them alive during the pandemic. We've gone several times since you informed me that it was like literally 10 minutes from my house. Yep. So. It, is a, it is a good thing. Um, well, you know, uh, I always like to, I mean, and technically you've been on the show before because when we did our uh our request for people's stories on the jungle cruise you got to share a really a really good one uh during that time but you know is there anything else like 
if we're documenting and putting down the memory of, of your time at the jungle for posterity, I mean, what else do you want to have uh, etched into the digital archives of the internet? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like just the fact that I existed, like I skipped, therefore I was. <laughs> Someone should yeah. get that as a t-shirt or something. <laughs> well, you should make it a t-shirt on your store. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Um, I, I spent uh, like four hours uh, last night trying to make a t-shirt of uh, Skipper Caitlin, uh, a blues girlfriend, and it was uh, Our Lady of the Perpetual Downtime. And <laughs> it was a, I had this picture of her that looked like a Catholic stained glass window, and I just could not get it to come out as a t-shirt, and it's very disappointing to me that I wasn't able to make it a real thing, so... Oh, that that mean it sounds like you need a an artist to like take that picture and like talk to yeah. Roman. He's so talented. Yeah, I definitely need a better better caliber than my cutting and pasting skills that I have. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, one of my favorite like not favorite trainee, but for trainee experiences is uh, when I was training. I think it was Christine with the K to uh, to the jungle. We had uh, Destiny, and during her training, there were two derails like five three shots a four shot and something like so much stuff we literally called her training experience the downtimes of destiny and uh yeah <laughs> it, it it sounds like you had a, a a gypsy witch cursing the uh the entire training uh yeah it was process it's the one time that someone got extended just because we had to, because we had not covered everything. Uh, yeah. Well, like, you know, the, uh, I guess one of the joys of having the time that I did with you is it was during, you know, the development for the Jungle Cruise movie happening at the Disney studios. Uh, obviously we're 16 months since the original release date and they pushed it back because ostensibly it was going to be a, a bigger release and then COVID hit. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got that side of it. There's big changes that are happening that were announced by Skipper Kevin, uh, from Imagineering, uh, recently. Um, you know, it, it definitely is a point of discussion. The thing that I've been happy to, to hear is it feels like people have been very supportive of Disney kind of stepping up and, and making some changes that are a little long overdue, but I know that your background in history kind of gives you a different perspective uh, about those changes and kind of about where Jungle came from with its history. And, you know, you're, I would love to hear you throw a few words in the, the wishing well about what you think about it. Yeah, like, you know, with everything going on, <clears throat> we're friends on the Book of Faces. So you saw like the, the mini posts that I did about like colonialism and ideas of that and how, you know, that, that sort of needs to be thinking of context in the jungle. And like you said, I mean, I, I'm not going to claim to be a, you know, a, a doctor or the historian of the Jungle Cruise, but like in my master's for history, I wrote like a 22, 23 page paper all about like the idea of cultural America seen through the lens of, of Walt Disney's Jungle Cruise. And it, it's, there's some interesting ideas like the jungle. I mean, you, you've talked about this on the cast, but it's, it's strange. Like it starts off in the 1950s and it's, it's just, uh, you know, cultural exoticism. It's uh, mm -hmm. your chance to go do the, the safari trip that would take you two years of real time to do. And that, that proceeds on until maybe like late 1960s. That's when we get uh, the rhino 
you know, the trap safari and the all the Mark Davis stuff. Yeah, the the gorilla camp and elephant pool. So then the the jungle is switching to to more like comical farce and like the the comedy of nature, but still like this idea of you know controlling the wild. And then in a, a very weird thing, you know, because talking about you know white people in the jungle that's that's colonialism really really simplified <laughs> mm-hmm. and then with indiana jones in the 90s they they go full colonialism they embrace embrace that british india history and and while there always had been the you know the safari gentleman with his guides underneath him on the trap safari the boats go full and like you get the victorian house and then even with the introduction of like sea they really like embrace that 1930 time frame on the outskirts of civilization and it's very strange to see colonialism in reverse you know what i mean like from from serious serious exotic cultural tourism to comical farce to just downright colonial india and and well, that, not just in the jungle but you know the the bazaar the indiana jones outpost uh, shrunken ned oh absolutely and there is the there's also adventure land like with uh, the Tiki Room, that also comes into a very specific like niche of people loving uh, like Pacific exoticism and like Hawaii, which has to do with a lot of like World War II veterans come back with like fond memories of their time and like Polynesia and the assorted islands. Um, and it, it's all fine and dandy as long as you come also correct with the idea that you know, when you express culture, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And where, yes, I think the Jungle Cruise can 100% be an innocent, eight-minute, semi-circular, joke-filled excursion into the wild. It also, you know, means to different people, like, do gorillas behave that way in the wild? Do elephants behave that way? Like, fun fact, elephants, not great at smiling. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Also not great at speaking Spanish, but, you know, you didn't seem to mind that at all. Yeah, correct. Elephants also don't fly, just in case, uh, unless it's Bobo getting taken to be fixed because his neck broke. Sad day. (laughs) But, yeah, like, you know, there's people that that see that commodification of nature, which just means uh, packaging the wild for consumption where you can pay for it. So instead of, like, you know, you you live someplace, like you live, the woods is your backyard, you go experience your backyard. That's not commodification in nature. But if you're like, hey, my woods are really great. And then you start selling like trips to people to go there, making money off it. You're basically turning, you know, the wild into a commodity. And that's a a big critique of a lot of humankind's impact on the natural world. You know what I mean? Like the, the, what the Anthropocene, like, era you know of, of man subverting nature for his own purposes and when you create your own ecosystem in the middle of orange groves it, it speaks to something like you know when people are going and they're laughing at the silly animals and seeing the headhunters and the cannibals that are uh fearing them or seeing skippers you know they used to shoot the hippos instead of shooting around the hippos it it, it said a certain message and uh it was some of it problematic you know, and just because it doesn't mean that to you doesn't mean that it's a false message that it means that to something else. So uh, seen through the lens of like Edward Said, who was uh, not a historian, but his work is used by a lot of historians talking about um, Orientalism, uh, you know, the way the white world looks at the exotic, like 
it was it was an interesting uh abridged look into the jungle i definitely i, I probably am the worst white person ever i'm <laughs> real fast to be like oh. <laughs> and and side different ways but there's a lot of a lot of interesting ideas and and also like you know uh people talk about feminizing the jungle and no i don't really want to talk about talk about a certain post two years ago like on on the book of faces but uh literally there are there's some interesting ideas of the jungle being feminized in so much that it's being made safe uh and going back to like old gender gender norms and standards uh that literally the jungle is a feminized version of nature seen through the lens of like gender stereotypes well i i definitely feel like the um Look, we've lived, I, I'm kind of a little tired of living through history. Uh, it seems like lately we've been living through a lot of it. But, you know, when I was at Jungle in 03 to 08, it was a very different time with uh, racial awareness and, and with, with being able to, to look at things maybe through the eyes of people who uh, had a different skin color. And, and when I was back this last time, man, it was very different the reactions I saw from people when there were certain jokes that were getting made. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've been very vocal about saying that I think all these changes that have been announced are, are fantastic, not just from that lens, but just from the viewpoint of what skippers get to do and, and uh, the freedoms it gives us to, to not have to worry about some of those framings that are problematic. Yeah, the, the changes are amazing and wonderful. I am somebody that was 100% on board when when the headhunter and cannibal jokes went by the wayside, at least in Anaheim. I remember having a distinct conversation with a skipper that I'll exclude their name, but, you know, they, they were talking about like, oh, this is dumb. It's just, you know, political correct, blah, blah, blah. And they had an opinion on it. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's your opinion. I said, but these things were seen as racist by a good amount of people. I said, so they are. And if you're against it, then you're okay with something that offends and is racist to some, you know? And I'm like, and that's the wrong side of the, the argument to be on. It just is. I'm like, the Walt Disney Company is about making happiness for everybody that comes through the gate. Like, so you're either committed to that mission or you should leave. Like. Yeah, and I love to see, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the contents of my paper. There's still a lot of questions about the packaging of colonialism and the legacy of what that means. And mm-hmm. people, people seeing that disnified and then therefore it becomes sweeter and innocent and not as harmful, you know, but taking out the, the potential, the problematic depictions of exotic people and people of color, that's, that's just a win for everybody. You know, and and even going so far as like going to to chimpanzee experts and seeing how they actually behave. Yep. So when they do a new show scene, it's not smiling elephants. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's 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 a great step, and hopefully there's even more news. You know. Well, that's that's the big thing that I I know for a fact that we're going to be getting another uh, official announcement right before the movie. So uh, there will be uh, some more uh, things that are coming that uh, have not yet been released, not yet been announced as far as how these changes in the jungle are going to happen and kind of the scope of them. So that, that's going to be coming to us sometime this summer. So I'm excited about the, the kind of definitions and a little more timelines and some of the other changes that will be happening that they, uh, they haven't put out in public yet. So 
I mean, I, I have heard whispers of some uh, some other stuff, which some might happen, some might not, but I'm not going to talk about it here because that's just yeah. Well, conjecture. the important the important thing is there will not be a rock animatronic in the jungle. That's the important yes. thing to know is, you know, they might stick his costume up in the clothesline, but uh, we are not going to see him or Emily Blunt in the jungle. So there may be. Good. Uh, there may be some Easter eggs. There may be some references. There may be some other representation of the movie but it's not going to happen in a way that changes what the jungle is i mean yeah i'm sure though i think i read something about you know maybe pictures in the boathouse or whatever which would be perfect and totally appropriate um i mean but let's be real i don't know if it was before you left but they uh they put that poster up for the disney tour lines Uh, in the queue that had like the modern telephone number and well it almost had the website too i mean that was the big big fight is they wanted to put the the URL and a, a QR code on it so people could scan it in the line. Yeah, I saw it and just about had a heart attack uh, and like started hatching my plans to to make it disappear, to face it. It was reminded, did I still want a job? <laughs> there was there was one of the skips who was really good at Photoshop who wanted to take one of the pictures and and uh, Photoshop the rock into it and just slide it up in there. And we kind of convinced him, no, that. Uh, Imagineering could get a little bit upset at that uh, that kind of play, and it could happen. So, I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny that there are, are flat, circular rocks in the trap safari that might have messages from skippers on them. Yeah. <laughs> it's know, a fun fun fact about rocks: they have two sides: yeah. one side that faces the public, and one side that faces the ground. It's a real fun fact. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I just I love the idea because I I told uh, Cameron about it one of the managers and she was like I'm not going out there and flipping over a million rocks to find if there's messages. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the podcast, but one of the things I've I've said is that uh, in the event of my demise, uh, I want to be cremated and uh, turned into rock into a rock and left on the jungle cruise. Okay. Uh, I would never want to scatter my ashes, but they, they have this thing where they can compress it and make it bio bio safe and turn you into just, you know, garden rocks. I'm like, that that would be an okay an okay way to be. So I told my oldest, because I'm like, you know, do it cheap, like cremate me and turn me into a tree or a coral reef. But I was like, ooh, you turn me into a tree and then you have to get a job with Disney's like botany and <laughs> then get to the jungle cruise and plant me like in the jungle. And she was well, like, yeah, yeah dead. Skipper <laughs> Joey, the invasive species, so. Heck yeah, like I want to be a jacaranda and just like drop those horrible blue flowers yeah. once a year. Like the one that's in front of the boathouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that got a, a, a bee swarm one year that we just could not get rid of and it pretty much closed down Adventureland. Just something about the jacarandas, the bees love them, so. Well, see, that's actually like a really good uh, combining two ideas of dumping remains and bees. Disney handles both of those situations the same way. <laughs> they vacuum, vacuum them up. up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. well, our uh, our Zoom free room uh, unpaid subscription time limit is coming up for this, so uh, I suppose we got to wrap this up and get to the second part of this uh, recording, which is going to be over on your podcast. Tell me, uh, how would someone find... Uh, yeah, if uh, you just go to wherever podcasts are, I, I do it through Anchor, so it, it basically shuttles it out to everywhere, including Spotify. Uh, but laugh it up, fuzzball, just like the quote uh, from Han Solo towards Chewbacca, and uh, everything from Star Wars to Marvel to The Simpsons to 
dystopian sci-fi to whatever like uh, there's there's no geek topic that's verboten there's just some i don't talk about because i don't know that much about them uh, but me and me and kyle are going to talk about something we near are. and dear to my heart something, yeah we're i'm t- sure some simpsons but uh the url is anchor.fm slash laugh dash it dash up dash fuzzball yeah and uh at wookie riot on twitter and instagram and all those good things yeah cool well, hopefully some people will uh, follow us over there as we, uh, we wrap it up over here, everyone. Uh, once again, the Tales from the Jungle Cruise is brought to you by no one because I have no sponsors. Um, but thank <laughs> everyone for, for listening and uh, sticking with us. We just had our, our uh, sixth anniversary of the big plug, which was when the Nerdist uh, were doing their community cork board and Chris Hardwick said the name Tales from the Jungle Cruise on the uh, – nerdist podcast so it's strange to think it's been six years since uh skipperette jen joined our our podcast team and all those things happened so i i actually remember that plug i was working for the jungle cruise and i said under no circumstances am i listening to a podcast about the place i work Perfect. and then and then i met you and you were like no you should listen there's some really good stuff and uh and i did because i like podcasts and now i'm all caught up and we're good buds. One, one of my regrets is that I didn't really think about the fact that everyone would go back and listen to the first two episodes, uh, which were done with horrible audio quality. And I just think what would have happened if I would have actually done a little editing about which things were available so people would have gotten to the better episodes? Because the audio quality first, first couple were really rough. So I just didn't know. Learning curve. It just is what it is. Like anytime you're doing a podcast, it gets better and better. All right. Well, thank you, oh, uh, Skipper, Trainer, uh, Wookie <laughs> Joey, who is my friend. And uh, Kungaloosh, everyone, we'll see you over on uh, Laugh It Up Fuzzball. Bye.